This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. This is Joris Peels speaking, and uh, we're here today with Maxwell Vogue. Hey, everyone. Hope you're all safe and sound. And also with uh, David Sher. Hello, hello. And uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about something that affects all of us, uh, and that's the COVID-19 epidemic. We're going to be talking about, uh, well, us as human beings, first off, and then uh, later on a little bit about how the 3D printing industry is dealing with and, and uh, this epidemic and what kind of uh, an impact it will have uh, on that. So, yeah, first, so, so how is everybody doing? Well, first, we'd love to apologize to everyone for the quality of our connections, but we're all coming from far-flung places across the globe, so... So well, David, David so should David, I start? No. Yeah, you start, David. You're, you're. Yeah, David is in Italy, so I think. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, most I think I'm, at, I'm in the epicenter right now, so I guess I get to go first. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah. No, I'm, we're fine. Uh, I'm fine. As you know, we we I think most people here we we work, uh, especially me. I work online, so honestly, in the in the beginning of this, uh, nothing was you know a lot of things. We're changing for everybody, but not really for me because it was really work as usual. Um, you know, n- then things really. Actually, I, I, in the beginning, I took advantage and I, I went skiing. Uh, <laughs> I went up to the mountains because <laughs> <laughs> everything was closed in Milan, uh, which is where I am. I'm, I'm based in Milan, which is really where the kind of the epicenter is. Not really in the city, but in the surrounding cities uh, around Milan. The surrounding towns is where the, it's really, really bad. But uh, so in the beginning we were, you know, we I think we underestimated when it was in China. But I, my sister is an intensive care doctor at the hospital here in Milan, so she was actually really, really warning us, you know, that that it, it you know, it wasn't a flu, you know, because uh, the, the 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 intensive care was was full and people were going from like being fine to being dying in like hours. So that that wasn't, you know, that's not like a flu. So, um, so, so she, she warned us early and we, 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 we kind of stayed, uh, you know, and then things got worse quickly. So the government closed everything down and we're pretty much every, everything is closed now and we have to stay at home, but everybody's doing a lot of, uh, video conferencing, which is good and bad because, uh, you know, we, I was doing a lot of video conferencing for work before and now it's like video conference for for work, for family, for friends, for the gym, and for my girlfriend, which is, as we were talking about before, she's actually in the most isolated place in the world, which is the South. She's in in a base at the South Pole until next November. So if the world is still there when she gets back. Uh, yeah. She uh, seems like, that, that seems like a lucky uh, a lucky break for her. I mean, it's, it's a really isolated place. <laughs> Good yeah, she's also a doctor. Yeah, she's also an intensivist uh, reanimation doctor in the, in the hospital here in Milan. So oh. she would have been in the front lines. I'm sure the kind of person she is, she really hates that she's not here, actually. Right. But uh, yeah. but everybody else is happy that, she, you know, we're all happy that she's there. Yeah. <laughs> Your sister is, is is actually working in like an emergency room now. Yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, she's she's uh, right in the you know with the with all the um, all the worst cases. You know, where, where all the the people who need the um, ventilation. You know, the um, how do you say? It? Not just not just the the, um, the invasive ventilation. Not just non invasive, but also you know with tubes and it, uh, it, it's, oh, right. it's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
man. We, you know, over here now everything's closed, and all you hear is the is the ambulances go by. So it it is a very a very extreme situation for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how about you, Max? Where were you hanging out? Uh, so I was in New York, and um, our preschool shut down a couple like a almost two weeks ago. And the minute our preschool shut down, um, my wife and I went, we can't work from home without some level of uh, care assistance. So we got in a car and drove to Boston um, because our mother and my mother-in-law offered to help take care of our son, who's two, um, whilst we work at home. So we've been very fortunate in that fact. And we got out before uh, New York kind of exploded the way it really has um, with the level of infections and whatnot. Uh, so we're hunkering down in a, in a suburb in Boston. Um, very thankful that we were able to do that. That's nice. Where are you, Taurus? Uh, I'm in Quito in uh, Ecuador. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? Because it's, it's like, like the most unexpected thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Quito. You know, uh, it's like like one day. Yeah. No, Why, I, but I, travel, I travel permanently. I travel permanently, and this is a particular mu- musical chairs game that I probably got caught out in. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, it's a, so Quito is a wonderful place. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I've got a nice apartment and stuff. And uh, uh, the problems, and the government seems to be taking it very seriously. So there's a, there were contact restrictions and closing stuff down very early compared to surrounding countries and compared to even Europe. Yeah. And they're not very ambiguous here. You know, in, in the Netherlands, for example, they communicate rather well, you're allowed to go to some parties, but not all parties, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas here, uh, they're, they're being really ambiguous. Like at one point, you know, some of the exams were allowed to proceed and stuff like that for high schoolers. And here, they're just like, uh, no travel in the provinces, no travel in the country, only for pharmacy, only the pharmacies, only the supermarkets are open. Ta-da! You know? Yeah. So I, what I like about the place is that, that everyone, everyone seems to be playing ball as well. There's no, like, you know, people being outside for no reason or something. And the government's oh, really super the, serious. Yeah, yeah. There's no people hanging out at the beach here or whatever. You know what I mean? The, 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 everyone's just doing what they need to do, and, uh, and especially since this is like a middle income, uh, lower income kind of country, uh, you know, you know, a lot of people are going to be in a lot of trouble economically as well uh, because of this, because um, uh, they don't have that much res- in terms of reserves and stuff. But still, then, yeah, I do think that the government here is doing a great job of dealing with this. Uh, but yeah, I'm 3,500 meters in a, during a big respiratory virus, so, so that's not exactly a great place to be. Yeah. In. <laughs> well, not a good decision, maybe. It's, it's good that the government's taking it that seriously, and that uh, they've just yeah, basically yeah. said no travel, stop it. Yeah, because uh, that seems to be, you know, that's what China did, and that's what Hong Kong did, and uh, it seems to have been working in those places. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's math, really. Um, yeah. You know, if less people are in contact, the less people are going to be infected. I, um, in, in, here in Milan, they, 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 um, the, the explosion is in, uh, the, the really bad situation is in a town called Bergamo. And um, they traced it back, uh, you know, this, this, um, this outbreak, they traced it back to one, thing, one event in particular, uh, which was a big, huge football game. So I don't know if you uh, I mean, follows Champions League football, but the uh, team, Bergamo, for the first time in its history, and for the only time in its history, is, is in the Champions League. So they had, they had, they we lent them the Milan Stadium. So everybody, uh-huh. like the whole city, uh-huh. like forty thousand people, which is pretty much half the city, came to uh-huh. the game. 
and they, uh-huh. that's where during the you know and then they brought it back home they, you know that's when the virus was starting uh-huh. to spread and they brought uh-huh. it back home that's why it was it was so bad and that's what's happening in madrid too they had a really big uh-huh. big event and and that's why the situation is deteriorating so fast yeah no no it's crazy dude i mean i think uh, yeah one thing that maybe maybe people are curious about i mean on 3dprint.com for the last six weeks or so we haven't at all written about covid at all um, so we ignored the subject and we, we, cause there was too much misinformation. There was too much unclarity about what it would mean. And it felt like kind of contrite and unethical to talk about it from a 3d printing standpoint, you know, uh, just cause it's such a huge event. And, and it was so unknown, like, like, like you said, like this one event, like a football game, but also like even like one bus load of people or one car load of people could have a huge effect on, on, uh, uh on what a particular city or, or, or an economy could experience. So we just said, like, you know, in a time of we don't have any knowledge, it's better to not say anything. So we haven't been saying anything about this epidemic for six weeks. And now we're kind of forced, actually, to, 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 to I was forced to backtrack off my position. I don't want to talk about this. I want to give people, like, an island to not talk about it, you know? Right. Uh, but I, we're kind of forced because the 3D printing industry is becoming really it's important. becoming relevant. Becoming yeah. 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 So I was forced to go back off the position. So this is why this is very uh, timely for me personally as well. Yeah, it is. So, I, yeah. Yeah, no, I made, I, I had the same exact reaction uh, in the beginning, but I guess here in Milan, you, you feel it a little bit, yeah. you felt it, we felt it before everybody else. So there was, um, you know, there was, a, I really didn't, didn't want to write about it, but then some, you know, some things came up that it, really resonated with people like and we were I think we're going to be talking about this because as an industry journalist uh, I was more concerned as uh, to to understand how supply chains would be affected and how industrial 3d printing could come through to help uh, in the long term you know to to address the supply chain issues and then what happened was that uh, you know some 3d printing could really come through even in an emergency situation, so that's when that's when we that's when we started to think of how three D printing could uh, can can have an impact on this, basically. Right. Uh, so in, in Mil- was it Milan where they three three D printed a part in order to make right. some respirators uh, work? Well, they they did that. Yes, they did three D printed this valve. That was the kind of first. I think the first news that I I, I was interviewed on BBC about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw you, dude. I saw you. I, and the connection was, I don't know why, I think it was my girlfriend's house. I don't know. We, should, we have fiber optic. I don't know why it was cutting yeah. out. But anyways, um, the, the, the bottom line is that um, um, th- that showed, you know, they, they, they went ahead and they, they in, in, a few, in a matter of a few hours, they reverse engineered and printed. And, and that showed that 3D printing could really, you know, cause, uh, could really come through. Because even now, I, I read about huge companies, uh, you know, uh, changing their production lines to make other products, to make, uh, you know, urgently needed products, but they have to change the molds. They have to change everything. Uh, right. 3D printed takes a lo- lot longer, but you can start right away, basically, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think, like, for me personally, I think, okay, the valve example, so if people are not familiar with this, it was a spare part for a respirator type or a, a ventilator type machine. Spare parts usually according to the story, 11K, and it wasn't available. No, that, that, by the way, that's that's one of those things that was actually not true. Uh, yeah. yeah some, no, new, some, some media reported, you know, they had to sensationalize it. There was actually no lawsuit involved. 
there was no threat of lawsuits. That's special. This is why, yeah. I think the vows are only a few tens of dollars. Maybe maybe a couple of They couldn't get that. That part never made sense for me. I was like, looking at this, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, who in their right mind is going to sue these people right now? I said, you would never do that. Yeah, exactly. Fortunately, we didn't write that either. Uh, I I had a feeling that that was just, you know, whether they were going to sue or not, it wasn't my concern. But uh, it was really a little bit far-fetched. But, yeah. I would have never done that. You know, you're not going to, you know, that's not a good move. But okay, so so there's one, there's, I'd like to split this up a little bit because I think David touched on a couple of things I think is really interesting. So first off, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening. And as David touched on, there's a lot of stuff that maybe is a bit inaccurate. There's this cloud of, there's a fog of war. There's kind of like a fog of pandemic that is kind of obscuring stuff. Um, so one is like the direct printing of like kind of replacement parts. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about that because, and then the second thing is to me, the printing of molds and, and production equipment, you know? Yep. And the third thing to me is like printing things like respirators and stuff like that. And then the fourth thing is like, you know, stuff like printing an entire ventilator machine, you know? And yep. those to me are like the four areas that I see this as being like, uh, that's the stuff that's happening media wise. Mm-hmm. Well, the, and if we want to add a fifth, if we have time for it, it's this whole idea of working together to solve this problem. Just this whole idea of open source solving stuff. Sure. So, like, first off, like, let's start with like this replacement parts. I mean, is that, is that you know, how ready are we for this, and, and, and under what conditions are we ready for this? Just let me know who are you who who is supposed to answer. Oh, the group. Oh, it's, it's, it's a group thing. Right. So. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I've been I've been really like neck deep in this so i, I don't want to like hog like all the, <laughs> the airtime yeah oh, that's fine that's fine no but you're in the epicenter right, let max go first then max go first what do you think oh, sorry <laughs> what was it again though replacement, replacement parts no i think replacement yeah. parts i mean obviously the biggest issue is that you have to design the parts before you can print them and then you need access to a printer um so a lot of hospitals do tend to actually have printers on site these days for prosthetics and things like that. So if they can, if we can get designers designing the parts that are needed, I think that this is a reasonable way to help make medium term parts or parts that are just kind of quick fix parts. Um, well, supply chains are very screwed up at this moment. So I, I think there's quite a lot to this actually in terms of helping out as the example that was given earlier, of just making the adapter for a ventilator to make it work better. And all of a sudden you open up a whole new set of resources that maybe these machines you didn't think could do what you wanted them to do before can start doing it. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's quite interesting as to what could be done in a short term or medium term way with these parts. Mm-hmm. And what do you see any issues with this? Uh, Mark? Oh yeah, they're going to break down. <laughs> and, you know, they're they're going to break down. They're not as strong as an injection molded part. There, there's if you're talking about something that air has to pass through, the chances yeah. of you making something that's fully sealed without having to do some post processing from the printer is is pretty remote. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think there's quite a number of, of potential issues. There's also the issue of if you know, can you sterilize these parts, especially if yeah. like. There's a crack, and you didn't do a full fill, uh, so you have you know the outer layer and the inner layers are different, and maybe a virus particle or, or a piece of lint or something that's infected gets in there, and then you think you've washed it or you've disinfected it, but because it's in some weird crevice that a disinfecting system wouldn't normally be able to get access to, um, it didn't get all the way disinfected, and then all of a sudden it becomes uh, something that's actually spreading 
disease rather than helping to prevent disease. So that's that's where I see the potential downside of it. Is so it's mm-hmm. it's difficult to know when and where you should be doing this and in what nature yeah. you should be doing this. Like, should you just be throwing away the part after it's been yeah. used before you do another patient? Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, and also to add to that, just the materials and also the additives in the materials. Yep. And the fact that we may have skin contact approval materials or a material approval for some medical use, but it's, you know, the chance of you having the material that you need to have the right approval for for that thing at that time, it, the chance is very low. And especially if we're talking about the desktop printers, some of the additives in there uh, are probably not suited for, for a lot of these uh, applications. And I do see a huge problem with, like, you know, like, for example, there's some materials like PPSU, you can autoclave it, so that would be great, right? But then you have to have that material. The whole idea of like on, on your desktop printer printing these parts is, I think, it's the I love the utopia of it, but it's right. a hell of it. <laughs> I think, I, I think yeah. the the first thing that needs to be done, I, I mean, I totally agree with everything that's been said, but the, the, the first thing that needs to be defined is what parts. So right. what, yeah. what are you gonna be making? Um, yeah. And the only way to do that is by listening to what hospitals need. Uh, you know, there's no no other way. They they need to somehow there there needs to be some kind of connection with healthcare facilities that 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 clarify what they would need. The problem is, of course, m- many of them don't even know what could be printed. So right. you know, there, there needs to be some kind of collaboration uh, mm-hmm. and dialogue going on, and it has to be kind of organized by institutions at at some level. Um, I think there are two different. Two different things. One thing is is one two different types of parts that can be made. Right so far, I think I've I've tried to look at all the parts that have been made, have been requested, and it's maybe ten, maybe ten things that can be useful. Most of them you wouldn't even think about, but the the, the materializing, you know, the, the the door opener thing, that's yeah. actually something that anybody can print, and that's actually welcomed by by many. You yeah. know, that's actually that's very good. useful and. On many levels, the face shield I think is one of the the most. That's really easy. I think Prusa released the design for that, yeah. and yeah. people yeah. modified it. That's actually very useful, and you can print it on a, any 3D printer. And and people really, you know, you do need the the the, the um, PVC, uh, you know, uh, shield yeah. in front of it. But but that's that's th- those are things that seem to be to be quite quite effective, and, and you can print on any 3D printer. When you get into what I like about what I like about these two examples is I see the unintended consequences as being very low. The exactly. unintended risk. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But the, the benefits so, so. are significant. Uh, Just, I mean, yeah, the, yeah, totally, totally. From what In I fact, hear. So everyone else is aware. There, there's a, a company that's offered a free print for a door handle device so that you can use your arm to open difficult right. to open door. That's one of them. And then the other one is a, a face shield to prevent, you know, sneezing or something of that nature getting into your face, which are needed by medical professionals. Exactly. So I just wanted to clarify that. For and really, that. anybody can use that, even in supermarkets. I've seen right. people, supermarkets using those. I mean, we just don't have enough. But if people are printing them and, and either donating them or, or, or making them available at, at, at you know in some way, uh, then then it's good. Another so, issue is the is the advanced parts you know advanced parts we talked about you know the what everybody's talking about that is the most needed device is these ventilators so there are many i just spoke with my sister about the ventilator so there are many types of ventilation devices one is the you know the mask the decathlon mask with the adapter that's actually 
it's not really a ventilator, but and that can also be printed on any printer. But then you need a you need somebody to adapt it to a snorkeling mask. But that's but uh, from what I understand, that's also very useful. That's not a ventilation device. It's just a device that you put over your face, and the machine just pumps oxygen into the mask. It's not critical. It's not like like nothing really bad can happen if that that part breaks, other than the fact that it does need to be, you know, airtight and and uh, you know uh, it has to you have materials that don't you know plastic is very receptive. You know, it, the virus lives on plastic for a long, long time. I think up to seventy two hours. So so you have to be careful about that. But other than that, those are those are good parts. And then the more advanced respirators, then it's a matter of getting into the supply chains of those companies that are producing. The respirators, uh, the ventilators. Uh, you know, I mean, these are fifty thousand dollar machines. They're extremely complex, complex. A lot of electronics. There may be some valves that can be printed, but you need, you really, I think, you, you then you. Sometimes you may be able to work with the hospital, but you mostly would need to work with the with the with the with the regular manufacturers. You know that that right. know what they require. So. And this this really terrifies me. I really do believe in like in the long run. All things are shallow, given enough eyeballs, you know? So I believe that if we set our mind to it, a ventilator, open source ventilator would be a really great thing we could maybe make. But if we're going to try and do this in a very compressed timetable, this is a this seems to me like a super complex device with a lot of tolerances. And what you don't want to make is some like bacteria aspiration device that just like <laughs> spreads everything across the ICU or something. Or else. something that breaks when you're like uh, yeah. you know you're unconscious and you know it, it's keeping you alive. Sleeping. <laughs> right. sleeping and then oops, we didn't do the sensor right, you know. But the, so so that to me is like the worst case scenario thing is this ventilator. I know it's the thing that people need the most, maybe. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a really obvious thing, but to me, this one really scares me. I see there's a lot of unintended consequences here. Uh, whereas in this face shield, you know, whatever you've got an ER doctor, he, she's there and you're going to put the shield on her and make her safer, you know? Right. Yeah. And the downside is like, if she doesn't like it, it doesn't work properly. She just doesn't use it anymore. Right. So we're back to, she's back to where she started. I mean, you know, I don't see the downside there, but this ventilator thing just scares the hell out of me. Sorry. And I, I have this. Yeah. I have one in, in the in, in between those two, though. I have the question yeah. about this the nano hack, which is a um, not a face shield, but a um, a face covering with a three D printed filter. Right. I didn't. I, I didn't see this. I didn't see this. It's from Copper Three D. Yeah, the oh, mask. We've had some b bad comments on the fact that it doesn't really fit to the face. However, you know yeah. that's the issue. You need to design it so that it fits the face. So it would need. You know, anybody, you know, people who design can modify it. They, 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 they put they're, out a, they're, Yeah, they, their suggestion is to use a hairdryer to re-soften the PLA. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but, it's true that the hot air can help to, you know, mold the PLA to your face. Right. Um, but what do we, what do we think of this in general, though? I mean, I'm not, obviously we're not doctors, but um, is this, is this safe? Is this a solution potentially for in an emergency like this? Is the it, mask? Is it the solution? The is it the yeah. solution we should be working on? That's the thing. What I'm yeah, yeah. I haven't, seen, like I haven't um, seen very effective 3D printed masks yet. I've seen a, a lot of designs, but um, yeah. have, have, they all seem to have some kind of um, flaw. Uh, yeah. uh, so I'm not I'm not so sure. But so yeah. typically the stuff we're really bad at is fabric, right? Uh, right. Is soft things, right? And 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 is is certification certified type materials. I mean, I think there's got to be some kind of 
uh, a DIY at home mask way that combines a couple of layers of substrates to make, let me make at least an approximation, a non-sterile approximation of a mask. That to me seems a much uh, earlier, you know, path to making this thing. Whereas like a broken part of a production line or something, well, it's 3D printing or essentially nothing, or maybe you can see and see it, you know? So to me, yeah, to me, the, the, the mask thing is really, I know it's obvious. I know we all wear them nowadays. Uh, you know, but I'm not entirely sure we're the right technology to make that solution. Yeah, I would, I would, I have fears as well. <laughs> um, yeah, no, what do you, what do you think? No, is it the same or? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, um, you're right that like, you know, we're there in this specific example, they're talking about you know, using PLA, but I also worry about with a mask, like to, you know, if it's, if the intent is to prevent breathing in virus, um, then can, do we have the ability to print something on the scale small enough to actually prevent intake of virus when you're breathing is my biggest thing. The second, like, cause the quality of the printer is the other issue because every printer is different. If you're using a desktop printer, um, to try and make a mask, are you going out with a false sense of security? Like maybe it offers some level, but not as much as like an N95, for example. Yeah. Um, and that's my concern is that people will think like, Oh, all I need to do is print this and throw it on and I'm fine. Yeah. Um, and that false sense of security is often my biggest fear with some of this stuff. Yeah, I agree with you. Agree with you. Yeah. And I think contrast this with the face mask, right? You know, then it just keeps some particles from hitting your face. Ta-da! You know, and I don't. Yeah. You know, then the face, shield, about, the face shield has been perfectly fine in comparison. Yeah. Yeah, actually, exactly. exactly. So I like the face shield as an example. Well, somebody um, should design. Um, so I'd love somebody to design a parametric uh, software to to. To modify the mask uh, uh, with with yeah, by yeah. a few a few a few parameters, that would be that would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what do we think? What do we think of then? Like, uh, uh, if we're looking at these masks, we're we're a bit skeptical of the mask. I think all of us are, right? Shields or pro shields, uh, and the ventilators we're all skeptical about. Yeah. Do we think that the, these ventilators? Do you think that's something that we could solve through three D printing so, in the long run? About the ventilators, I wanted to to, to mention. Uh -huh. so actually, so there, I I record I, I found uh, three or four projects. One of which is by MIT, yeah. so not not the last guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and basically, what they do, to, okay, so to make a low cost, uh, quick ventilator, um, they mostly what they do is they adapt what what, what it's called an AMBU M A M B U. Uh, device. Uh, it's a bagger. I think in the US they call it a bagger. It's basically a, an inflatable bag that kind of is used in emergencies. So when you get on the scene, oh, one of the hand pump ones right. where you have to do it. Right. You, you kind of pump air into. So what they do, what these projects have done, all three of them, one in Spain, one in, in Poland, and one from MIT, they've uh, automated the pumping. So right. So, and that's basically what a ventilator does, right? So it's true the ventilators are extremely complex, but then I think the maker scene has shown that, you know, a 3D printer was a really complex machine that when you put your hands to it, it's three axes, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's three axes mechanically activated, you know. Um, so, so a ventilator basically pumps air and the, the, the air pumping needs to be regulated. So 
it may not be as complicated as 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 we as we think. However, I don't want to I don't want to say it's easy. Um, when when I talked about this with my sister, she said, "Oh yeah, it's like like the pre like they did in the prehistory, right? <laughs> in, in the Stone Age, you know, it's like in ancient times that's what you did. Right. So in some in some situations, that kind of device where there's nothing else, it may help. It may help. So that so we also need to realize this. You know, if it does get to so by the way, the shortage of respirators is in Italy. There is a shortage right now. In Spain, there is a shortage, but everywhere else, it hasn't come to that yet. Uh, it probably everybody thinks it will, but it hasn't. You know, there are. Uh, several in the U.S. there are, I think, several tens of thousands of, re of ventilators available. So the, the, it hasn't, it has not come to that. But if it, if it did come to that, and there really wasn't weren't any more uh, ventilators available, then maybe some device like this would come in handy. So and like you said, you know, you start, you develop it, and then you continue to improve it. You put the electronics into it. You you you, you put like, you know, uh, fa fail safe devices and, and things like that. Are there other stuff we haven't mentioned yet? I mean, we talked about the valves a little bit. These are replacement parts. We talked about like uh, you know ventilators and masks and obvious things and these door openers. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Olaf Deagle has one that you makes lets you open the door with your foot. That seems like a really good. Oh, thing. that's yeah. cool. I like that. What I what I'm not seeing, which really like really, I don't, I don't maybe I missed it, but is what I thought would be really handy would be things to open a tap uh, with your foot. Mm. You know, to open taps in bathrooms and stuff. You know, you have those in hospitals, huh? They're yeah, just like a, some kind of device to open your tap. I, I haven't been seeing stuff, but are there other things you guys didn't see? Beer, but... <laughs> yeah, then you're getting plumbing. I thought you were no, talking No, no, just, uh, just a, a, foot, a foot opening. You know, just like it's a, you know, simply you, you step on it and it opens the tap. And you, 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 you then tap it over and sure. then up and then it, it closes. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, but are there other stuff that you guys are seeing that we haven't talked about? Um, so, well, oh yeah, well, I mean, on an industrial level, so a lot of companies, you know, bigger companies in 3D printing have activated too, to, you know, most companies, they, they make their, you know, they, they provide service, they provide, they provide production services because these shields, you know, they're actually, they are being printed by the hundreds and thousands and, and, uh, and others, uh, you know, some, in some cases, the valves, I'm not, I haven't understood if they're actually useful, but they seem be especially printed by SLS or other you know industrial grade technology. But I think one very interesting one was what by both Formlabs and Carbon, because you know they got Harvard and MIT nearby. So I think they get especially Harvard, they get a lot of good input, and um, and and Mass General also the hospital was was giving was very aware of 3D printing capabilities. So they've been printing um, uh, the devices to to uh, swabs uh, test kits for. Uh, you know, test swaps to 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 test people and uh, or or to for the for the for, oh, the, for the laboratories, yeah. um, which is which they say they're going to be printing them by the million, which is quite interesting. I think if they actually come yeah. through with that. Yeah. Okay. I just to say that in speaking of Boston, because I'm here, um, there's a, a makerspace, the Artisans Asylum. There, they started a production line to make face shields, uh, where they're printing nice, it out. Nice. Yeah, and they're all wearing, uh, they posted pictures the last couple of days, they're all wearing um, clean suit stuff, and then they've converted one of their rooms to make it as clean as possible. Uh, so, so it's interesting to see what kind of micro-production stuff might pop up because sure. of places that have printing capabilities. Yeah. 
What I'm also, what I'm not seeing, which I think is really interesting, is that is, is related to this micro production. Also, what David said earlier about this kind of like, that we need the institutions to indicate what they need. Yeah. Is for example, what one thing is 3D printing is really good at is let's say I do something that's uh, one of these drive-by testing installations. Maybe I need a piece of equipment. Right to hold my swab more safely, or mm -hmm. to keep me from holding onto the car, or you know these kind of really customized tools that don't exist yet. Right. So imagine I spend the whole day at a drive-by testing installation thing, uh, and I just have a really specific tool for that purpose. You know, uh, maybe a for kind of clamper so I can hold on to something to test that people will give back to me or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not happening. So there is some. There is a kind of. I think I agree completely with what David said earlier. There is like a. A mismatch between these kind of new innovative technological solutions, right? Yeah, uh, you know, because even if, like, you know, if you buy like a mask line, right, you can make a way more mask way faster than with uh, the conventional technology of 3D printing. But to take a requirement that is making people safer and develop, a, invent a completely new thing to solve that—that's yeah, that's a technology we're ideally suited for, you know. And there is another issue. <laughs> Um, at, at, at the industrial level, that I, I was talking with the European Association that put out a call to the to additive manufacturing companies in Europe, and also trying to coordinate with the European Commission is who's going to pay for it? You know, because everybody wants yeah. to help, and uh, you know, it's great. People are donating their time and their machines, their machines' right. time, but somebody, you know, there's materials, there's deliveries, there's there are a lot of other things involved that so that there needs to be a coordinated effort from from, yep. from institutions. Yeah, somebody like that, or some kind of clearinghouse kind of thing, you yeah. know, for this. I think just generally, I mean, I think, and and the other thing is, if we're looking at where I think 3D printing could play the biggest advantage, is the thing that let's say I'm I'm making I'm in a mask company, right? I'm scaling like crazy, right? And all of a sudden, I need new tooling. Right? Yeah. for my factory because it wore down or I need a new thing because a part broke down on my line or you know I'm trying to make the packing one of the things slowing me down is how many of these we can pack into a box in a sterile way you know so in these kind of optimizing production adding to production uh, you know I think that's actually where we can have the biggest value or one of the biggest values and that's not really I mean we're not doing anything with that you know yeah that's true but uh, it's also just started on some level. Um, the, yeah. the other thing that we need to consider is how long is this going to last? Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like how many? Yeah. Well, so in the beginning, I was really, really worried. Honestly, like okay, after I went skiing. By the way, I went skiing <laughs> during the week, so I wasn't one of those persons that was like all in the mass and you know within the mass of people spreading the virus. I was actually, you know, just just going during the week when nobody else was around, which was actually amazing. Uh, you know, in the afternoon, uh, you know, worked in the morning and in the evening. But but besides that, so in the beginning when it started to get bad and it just kept getting worse, yeah. we were, I really didn't didn't see an end to it, and I was really worried. And also, I, I did I, I was look I was seeing every other country in Europe just like not taking it seriously, and the U.S. Yeah, exactly. not taking it seriously, and and we were like. Um, and, and, you know, everybody was thinking, yeah, yeah, whatever, it's happening to Italy, but, you know, Italy is Italy, so, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the truth was, you know, Italy got hit. Well, anyways, but the point is, now we're starting to, you know, they put the, all the measures in place about two weeks ago, and it takes about two weeks incubation, so they're starting to see the results now, and it seems like it's slowing down, so it's a much bigger curve than the Chinese curve. They were super, they're much stricter, and they, 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 
you know, they also had it confined. It wasn't the whole country, you know, right. taking over. Mm-hmm. So um, in Italy, we, you know, it's going to be a much bigger curve than China, but we, we are seeing the slowdown. So you know, it's, it, it, will, it will eventually, uh, the, the emergency situation will eventually, will probably uh, be over with within a, couple, a month at most. But the pro- of course, the problem is what, what's, what, what's next? You know, it's uncharted territory, so we'll see what's next. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the the emergency may be over, but transportation and movement of people and contacts and socialization will still be significantly hindered because, you know, most Mm -hmm. people not be immune to this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, like, what does it then do? Does it then go on in Brazil or something or in India? You know what I mean? Uh, And does it then come back? You know, are are we going to? Are we gonna, is this something? Is this a new reality? Is this like how it's going to be? Exactly. Are we ever going to kiss people on the shoulder anymore, or on the on the cheeks? Sorry, on the shoulder. Uh, are we never going to kiss people anymore on the cheek? You know, is that is that the new reality, or is this something that just happened once? You know, big question. It's a big question. I mean, this thing took away like all the fun stuff. You know, going out, the yeah. gym, yeah. The, the the stadium. Yeah. The, you know. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be rough. <laughs> Uh, I think so. I think I think I, I do think it's a really. I don't. I still don't know if we're going to look back on this and say there was panic for a while, but in reality, everyone overreacted. You know, uh, or we're going to. This is really going to, you know, persist, and one or two health systems are really going to screw it up, and it's going to be like the biggest health emergency, biggest problem of our whole lives. You know. Um, so I still don't know which one of those two scenarios we're going to have, but I do think it's going to change a lot of people and how they interact yeah. with the world and how they think and stuff. I mean, it's going to change all of our societies on some level. Like every country yeah. is going to be altered, irregular, you know, forever by this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, yeah. No matter which direction it goes. Uh, the, um, the, the bottom line is, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, from one side, from one side. Um, it looks really bad because it does it does hit the health systems, you know. And without a health system, a country cannot work. You you can pretend that you, that it can that you 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 can expand capabilities, but it just won't. So so it, but the, the truth is, it does impact the health system. But the, the the you know the death rate is very high for older people, and I'm not I don't want to uh, minimize that. I mean, I mean, we all have older people we care about, so it's right, not yeah. it's not something that you. That you're like, oh yeah, okay, it's just older people, and it's not just older people. I mean, younger right. people are really sick too, but you know, older people die more easily. Um, the, the the other thing is, uh, so but but even so, it's still you know three percent at most, and in some places a lot less. In Italy, a lot higher, but I think you you need to kind of make an average um, of the uh, you know it's at most three percent of the people that will, will die from this. So you know the world. We'll go on. It's just uh, the economic impact is still to be uh, understood. Yeah. No, I think that, that looks like it's going to be huge. I already know a lot of people that have uh, lost their jobs because of this. Uh, just because people are companies are cutting back and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. and I think I think just uncertain money doesn't like uncertainty. Money is allergic to uncertainty. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and we don't know. We don't know anything at the moment. So I think that that's a, a bit... Uh, that's a bit terrifying as well, and the impact of that is also not uh, to be not to be underestimated. How, has this changed you guys as a person? We're talking about society in general, but has it changed your outlook? Or I was really negative in the beginning, and I'm usually not that negative. But honestly, uh, I think it was justified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm... but has it changed your outlook? Yeah. Sorry. 
Well, I was just going to say, being in the U.S., I'm a bit more scared <laughs> because of uh, talk of sending people back to work early, which could sure, really yeah. shock the system uh, on some level. And we, even though 3% doesn't sound like a lot, except that you're still talking about millions of deaths. And, exactly. And, yeah. exactly. Yeah. and then yeah. when you put it in those terms, you're like, oh, shit, that's a lot and, of... Uh, yeah. yeah. And we, um, we, we hear about people hoarding guns over there. So yeah, I know they over are. <laughs> they overdo it a little bit over here in the media, but uh, you know, I, I lived in the U.S. I know when people get worried, a lot of times they go buy a gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we just yeah. need to start three D printing toilet paper. Yeah, if we could do that, it's a breakthrough of our industry, right? Three D right. printing toilet paper. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, for me, I, I think I, I've been a lot. I'm not as good as I thought I was at calculating risk and understanding things. And I can understand now that I, I noticed this in friends of mine and myself as well, that, that the kind of this background stress gets inside of you, gets in your decision making and, you know, yeah. and I notice it and it's, it's kind of weird that, that you see somebody and they're completely oblivious and making jokes about it. And they're also on the zoom or the Skype or whatever. And then uh, you talk to them again a week later and all of a sudden they're indoors and, and, and it's more of this kind of like uh, in Dutch with this kind of expression, like it's, it's like a hunted feeling and that's kind of it. You see these people kind of hunkering down and also physically kind of like more cramped and kind of all of a sudden be really scared. And I think that kind of a reaction, you know, is really, I'm much more appreciative of when things work, right? Uh, I'm much less likely to throw away food. I'm much more likely to make sure I make enough food, you know, I'm much more yeah. likely to be super happy with like, I was under the shower the other day and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You know? <laughs> you know you, you made a great point i gotta tell you this one little apocalyptic uh drama post-apocalyptic drama so yeah. uh, when they closed the, the two days after they closed everything and we're not like we're not allowed to go out now unless we have a good reason you know we can go food shopping that's it so my shower broke <laughs> Oh, and like I needed to unscrew like the the the, the, uh, the faucet and like I needed a screwdriver that just one screwdriver that was particularly like thin to fit into a little hole. Very simple yeah. screwdriver. I didn't uh, have. It's the only one I didn't have. I was. Uh, <laughs> so eventually, I, I found a, a food store, a, a small food shop open, like one of those uh, four seven places, and they had one screwdriver, and it was the uh, one I needed, and I was able to fix it. But uh, you know, I was thinking, it was like. It's like, damn, you know, it's like, it never broke. Why? Right, <laughs> right. Now I'm breaking into the apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, I think that's, that's about time for us uh, to start oh. wrapping up. But, uh, yeah. David, it's, David, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, obviously, please, please uh, stay safe. And to uh, everyone out there, wash your hands, stay safe. Um, and just as a a legal disclaimer since I'm in the U.S. Remember that none of us are medical experts and so these are opinions and should be taken as such. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. totally. Dude. Yeah, uh, Yeah. thanks again everyone for, 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 for listening to the 3D pod and uh, and thank you so much for, for, for your attention and continued attention and thank you so much for, for being with us again, Max. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And, yeah. and and thanks a lot for being with us again, uh, David. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next time. And thank you for being on the 3D pod. Thank you. Talk soon. Hopefully, be safe. Be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the 3D pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit 
www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.